Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Matthew chapter 11, and this has all been so, so good. I hope you didn't miss the last several chapters, which are just absolutely powerful. But here, let's hit this now from the New King James Version, Matthew 11. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. I want you to notice here, this is a theme that we've been on, but Jesus did not just go around healing. He went around primarily teaching and preaching. And then the faith that the word of God brought put people in a position to receive and ask for healing. And then that provoked most most all of the healings. There are some exceptions that by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, Jesus healed some people that hadn't even heard him preach, didn't even know who he was, like the man at the pools of Bethesda. But here, you can see here, Jesus is a teacher and Jesus is a preacher. The power of God's word is, is what changes people primarily. Paul said, God chose, in, in 1 Corinthians, God chose that through the foolishness of the message preached, that he would save those who believe. See, and so there's something powerful about the preaching and teaching of God's word. And so Jesus departed. After he sent the 12 out on their uh, ministry journey, then he departed and went teaching and preaching. Verse 2, and when John had heard in prison, this is John the Baptist now, uh, Jesus' cousin, and when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one, or do we look for another? So John was the one at the beginning, when, when about the time Jesus was baptized by John in the River Jordan, John said about Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So at that point he was convinced, this is the Messiah. But now, you know, as time goes on, you know how our minds are, and you know, Jesus is not setting up his kingdom, and you know, are things playing out the way that they're supposed to? And so now John in prison is sending this message to say, are, are, are you really the one? You know, because I'm not seeing this thing play out to the fulfillment of your kingship as Messiah. Of course, we know now that the Messiah was coming in two comings, not just one. So these prophecies about uh, what he would do in the first coming and what he would do in the second were not just one coming. And that's where the Jews couldn't get it in their minds that Jesus could be the one because he didn't fulfill all the prophecies because some are going to come in the second coming. Okay, so he said, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the dead, the deaf, excuse me, hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So Jesus said, go and tell John the things that you're seeing and that you're hearing in my ministry, and that the answers are coming. Well, why is that important? Because those are the things that were prophesied that Messiah would do and bring. And so Jesus said, go show the fruit. Do you remember Jesus taught earlier in the seventh chapter, I believe, you'll know them by their fruits. Right? And so Jesus, instead of just saying, I am the coming one, he said, go, go tell John the fruits. See, And so he should know by the fruits. 
But notice what's interesting. The blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, and such. It's all the answers. But when it gets down to the last one, it says, and the poor have the gospel preached. Well, it didn't say the poor are loaded with money. The poor have the gospel preached. Well, that's a, that's a variation. That's an anomaly. But here's, here's the key. The answer to poverty is not money. The answer to poverty is the gospel. Why? Because uh, you can give somebody money, but then they'll spend it and go back into debt. See, so money does not really solve poverty. What solves poverty is the good news that you have a father who loves you, and if you'll serve him, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, all those things will be added to you. And once you accept the gospel, now the gospel will put you in a position to be honoring God, to be obeying God, to be walking with God, and now you'll be on the payroll of the kingdom of God. Oh, it may come through the company that you work for, but it's coming from the Lord. And God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so Jesus said, it's the gospel, the word of God, that solves poverty just like the power to heal solves sicknesses. All right, now notice this. Verse 6, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he who is not offended. So many people are offended at the teachings, the doctrines. They just can't receive it and then they're not blessed. But blessed are those who don't stumble at these things. Just receive it. Just believe what it says. Believe what Jesus taught. Believe what the Bible says. Verse 7. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John uh, the Baptist, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Do you remember John was in the wilderness baptizing for those years and preaching? What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments like a king. He said, Indeed, those who wear soft uh, clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. So now Jesus is really identifying the great, powerful ministry of John. He said, A prophet? Yes, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will, your face, talking about before the Messiah's face, who will prepare your way before you. So this is really an Old Testament promise to Jesus that I'm sending somebody before you to prepare the way. So before you get there, the prime is pumped. Uh, excuse me, the pump is primed. <laughs> the pump is primed. In other words, there's somebody there that's going to begin to condition the hearts of the people to hear the word of God, to repent, to put them in a position to hear what you're going to say when you come. He said, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus said, among those born of women, well, who would that be? That's all human beings. Among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Wow. So Jesus is saying, there, he's not saying necessarily John is the greatest, but he's saying there's not anybody that's been born of a woman that is greater than John the Baptist, not Isaiah the prophet, not David the king, not Solomon, not anybody. See, Abraham, he said, not one human being that's ever been born is greater than John the Baptist. In other words, John the Baptist is a highly esteemed uh, man of God in the kingdom of God. 
He said, so among those born of women, there has not risen one greater. Now, he didn't say there's no one equal. He said there's just no one greater than John the Baptist. He said, but, watch this, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Well, see, John is not born again. And so once somebody gets actually born again by the Holy Spirit, and, and of course John would have been had he been alive after the death and resurrection of Jesus, then he could have been born again. But he who is in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So he's, Jesus is saying, among those born of women, among human beings, nobody's greater than John the Baptist, but he who is in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. In other words, everybody that's in the kingdom of heaven, everybody who gets born again is at another, is at a higher level. So when you get born again, let me tell you, you get lifted up, and according to Ephesians chapter 2, you're raised up and seated in Christ Jesus at the right hand of God, uh, at, at that level of authority. You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. So I tell you what, we, we have it made here. It doesn't mean life's just uh, uh, easy peasy, but what it does mean is, boy, our status changes when we get born again. So powerful. All right, here we go. Verse 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We have to understand that we are in a war. And there's the kingdom of darkness that's led by the devil, Satan. And then there's the kingdom of God that's led by the creator of the universe and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. In other words, there is a kingdom of darkness attacking the kingdom of God, attacking the people of God. He said, and the violent take it by force. Well, that would, that would go both ways. The violent of the kingdom of darkness will take things by force. But it also is saying that we cannot just ask permission from the devil. Can we please have our lives back? Can we please have our healing back? And can we please have our, our financial provision back? No, we have to take it by force. The devil and the kingdom of darkness will not just give things up because it's the right thing to do. That's why Jesus calls him a thief. Thieves don't keep the law. They have to be forced to keep the law, imprisoned and such. And so uh, here he said, the violent take it by force. We have to take the name of Jesus and prayer, the promises of God, and we have to confront the devil and confront the kingdom of darkness to take what belongs to God and his kingdom. Verse 13, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. So now Jesus is getting into talking about how uh, he was the prophet that came to precede Jesus, but then he said he is Elijah who is to come, because it's prophesied at the end of the age that uh, Elijah will come before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you remember there are two prophets in the book of Revelation during the tribulation period. Well, we're not going to get into all of that, but Jesus has given us a little hints talking about something about John the Baptist being Elijah who is to come. So let's just leave it there and we can get into that another time in another passage. Okay, now notice this. He is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
But to what shall we liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners." But wisdom is justified by her children. In other words, he's saying John came as a Nazarite, and he didn't drink anything, didn't eat anything from the vine, any grapes or anything, no raisins or whatever. He didn't drink any grape juice or wine or anything. And they said he has a demon. He said the Son of Man came without that law, the Nazarite, and just came as a normal Jewish person. And he was eating uh, normal food and drinking a normal drink of the day, he said, and they call him a a glutton and a wine bimber. In other words, the people of this world, and this would include in this passage, in this context, the religious people, the Jewish people of the time, the people of this world are going to have their opinions and they're going to judge. But Jesus said, but wisdom is, is justified by her children. In other words, watch the fruits of the ministry. Watch what happens and the blessing of God, the favor of God. Watch the fruitfulness of the ministry and you'll see whether wisdom is justified, whether it really was the wisdom of God or not, because you can't just trust people's opinions. And so he goes on to say in verse 20, then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works uh, had been done because they did not repent. See, Jesus came and he did all these miracles, but they didn't repent. They didn't repent of their sins. And so now he's rebuking these cities in which he had done most of his miracles. And he said in verse 21, Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon up on the north, in the north on the coast, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So he's saying not all people are the same. Some people have harder hearts than other people. And he said, if, if I'd have done those same works up in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. In other words, with great humility. He said, but you didn't. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. So what does that mean? That means that there is coming a judgment. Everybody will be judged. There is coming a judgment. But Uh, some people will be judged harder than other people because of how they responded to God. And then, and and the gospel, verse 23, and you Capernaum, now wait a minute, this is Jesus' new hometown. He moved from Nazareth and he came to Capernaum. And he said, and you Capernaum who who are exalted to heaven. What does that mean? Capernaum was a great fishing industry city and such. And uh, they had so much happen, uh, so much uh, positive commerce and such in the city of Capernaum. And so he said, you're exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, oh, Sodom and Gomorrah, you remember? Uh, that was judged by God for their wickedness, their sexual immorality. He said, if the works were done in, that were done in you, Capernaum, were done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable in the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Well, Sodom was destroyed by fire, by God. And yet he said it's going to be more tolerable than for you. Why? Because Sodom didn't have the Messiah coming and doing miracles. No, they didn't have that. But you, Capernaum, you had that and still did not repent 
of your sin. Verse 20, verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. In other words, uh, God's not revealing these truths to uh, necessarily the most elite in society or the most aged, but he's revealing them to humble people who are willing to open their hearts to truth and not hold their traditions above the truth of God's word. Verse 27, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, don't you love that, the compassion of the Lord? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Notice, Jesus is not a slave driver just driving his people. He wants to give us rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is not giving a license to laziness right here. But Jesus is saying very clearly, that those who are burdened and, and you're just uh, under such stress and pressure, he's saying, come to me, I'll give you rest. And learn from me, because I am gentle and lowly of heart. I'll teach you how to approach things. I'll teach you how to be in relationship with God and how to be humble and gentle, lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Then he said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, uh, yes, serving the Lord is not just easy peasy. It, it does require much effort, intentionality, and so on. And when you're called to ministry, oh, it is a sacrifice. But notice Jesus said, I'll teach you how to stay humble and not to put so much faith in yourself that you overwork yourself thinking that you're really going to make things happen on your own. He said, I'll teach you how to be lowly, gentle, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What Jesus calls us to do, his assignment on us, is not overbearing. We have every ability to do it, and if we'll do it the way he teaches us to do it, then we'll notice that the yoke is really not all that uh, heavy and difficult after all. His burden is not heavy. His burden is actually light. It's, it's, let me say it this way. It becomes a privilege to serve the Lord. Yes, we work hard. But it's a privilege to serve the Lord, and He strengthens us by the power of His Spirit. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.